Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This podcast celebrates the journey of fatherhood. I'm your host, and in today's episode, we have a remarkable guest, a U.S. Air Force veteran who served as a Special Forces pararescue and cross-trained into the Air Force Fire Department. He's a combat veteran of Desert Shield, and for 22 years, he has been a journeyman lineman in the IBEW. He's happily married with two sons and grew up as the third oldest among four siblings. Join us as we explore his experiences and delve into the world of being a show-up dad. Welcome to our show, brother. All right. Thank you very much, David. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you asking me to join you tonight. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, start things off, Eric. Uh, by me asking you why you think father involvement is important, brother? Uh, that's uh, the pinnacle question. That's a big question. It's uh, I don't think kind of like on the reverse, how important would it be if fathers weren't involved, right? We've seen that in the, in our, throughout our history, fatherless families and what happens to them and the children that come. So, I mean, that right there for me says it all, you know, the father is uh, he's the structure in the home uh, for uh, religious families. He is their religious leader. He is their faith, uh, you know, and uh, without a father, I just, I, the statistics are staggering on what happens yeah. with children without fathers in the home, you know, with their levels of success and their uh, levels of criminal activity, uh, their levels of, uh, you know, participation, uh, in meaningful activities outside of the home. Uh, it's just, uh, I think fathers play a massive role in the development of good, honest, healthy young men and women. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I just strive to be uh, the best role model that I can be for my boys, uh, mm-hmm. my two sons, and uh, want to be that engaged as often and as much as possible type father. You know, uh, I got two little boys and they're not of the age yet where they're in uh, all sorts of extracurriculars, but uh, when the day comes, I, uh, I'm honored to be able to participate in those extracurriculars as much as possible. You know, uh, 
never, uh, never have I heard a man say when he was on his way out, I wish I would have worked more, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I, I like to plan on, uh, you know, making the time for my boys when the time is, when it, when that time comes, I mean, even now, you know, making the time for them, but definitely mm -hmm. as they start to uh, progress through life and they need that father figure, uh, <clears throat> in their life to help them guide them through, you know, it's a tough world. I like the way that you said that you're there to help them to guide them, right? That's one of our roles as a father. Um, how do you think also that a show of dad positively impacts a child's self-esteem and, and sense of security, excuse me? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know, that's uh, one thing, especially for boys. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, I don't have any experience. I don't have any daughters. Um, but I, uh, you know, being in my relationship with my father and uh, having my father teach me how to be confident and how to not give up. Uh, how to just pick yourself up when you fall down and keep moving forward, you know, um, yeah. fathers have a different way of parenting, I think, than mothers, you know, so, uh, there's that whole term, the devouring mother out there. And, you know, I have a military background. Uh, I, I imagine, like I said, my boys are still newer to this world and I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I imagine when it comes to the parenting, I'll probably take a somewhat traditional hard line, but with a modern day love, uh, that, you know, maybe generations ago you didn't see, you know, uh, yeah. definitely make sure that they know they're loved hugs, you know, affection. Uh, I didn't get a lot of that at growing up as a kid. And, uh, and that's part of, in my mind, what being a show up dad is, you know, they can do wrong and it's okay. You let them know you can do wrong, but, uh, you know, even admitting your own faults to your, to your sons, letting them know that, I made a mistake and it's okay, but this is how we pick up and move on from here, you know? And, uh, and I think not that a mother can't do it, but a father brings a special blend of that sort of mentality to the table um, mm -hmm. that I think uh, especially boys need to hear from a father. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent, bro. And I love that you said that a father brings that stability. Think about it. Our wives, right. Are programmed that they need to know that their present, past, and future are taken care of, right? That's stability when we say that. When we break right. it down to its rawest form, that's stability, right? Yeah. Well, that's what we bring, not only as a husband, but as a father to the family. And no one else can do that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a unique yeah. role. It's a big responsibility. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I'm blessed by God to be, uh, to be given this opportunity, you know, to look after his children for him while we are on mm -hmm. this earth. Uh, that's essentially what it is. You know, I'm just a steward for now of my boys and, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to do the absolute best that I can with, uh, with what I, with what I know, you know, and with, mm -hmm. uh, with God also, I don't worry about things. I wasn't always a Christian guy mm -hmm. and, uh, with God in my corner, I really don't know how things, you know, things don't go wrong. In yeah God's world right uh you know it's uh there are no coincidences mm -mm. And, uh, and things go the way that god has them go it's just that sometimes how they go and you just keep on moving forward and being able to raise my boys in a christian home uh mm -hmm. with uh you know my uh, we also have a sober home mm. and uh, showing them that you know and how to live life and how to have a good time without that in their lives mm -hmm. i think is a key thing um uh, it's important uh you know to uh like I said, just, you know, life is tough. It's going to knock them down. And how do you show a kid to get back up and still move forward with confidence, you know, and, uh, and not let life get the best of them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had a good childhood with my father, uh, 
you know, he mm -hmm. did show me a lot of that stuff growing up. You know, he taught me a lot about morals and ethics and character and uh, stuff like that. And, uh, and I think that that upbringing, I was very fortunate uh, yeah. to have a dad in my life like that. Uh, we still to this day have an amazing relationship, even all of the, the trials and tribulations I've gone through. Uh, we still have a great relationship. And I think the, my upbringing was what made it possible for me to, you know, succeed at an early age, screw mm -hmm. it all up, succeed again, screw it all up, succeed again. Uh, and just kind of this roller coaster of uh, positive and negatives in my life and mm -hmm. never give up, just continue moving forward with confidence that at some point I'm going to pull this thing together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I've had quite a life. I've had, I have, uh, I think a pretty, pretty good story of, uh, of down and out and then uh, glory and mm -hmm. uh, to be able to share that with my boys and, you know, it can happen. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what we we love to do here at the show up dad we like taking people's mess and allowing them to turn it into a message right because you you never know what people are going through you know and with that being said eric i like for you to share with us your personal journey of overcoming addiction and what led you to make the decisions to become sober if you don't mind yeah yeah i would absolutely love to uh yeah my message my mission today is to share a message of hope and recovery for those that want to hear it you know it's not one of those things where you're running around knocking on doors I don't do that uh, yeah. but anybody who is asking or anybody who might be needing or uh, I, I absolutely I always want the my hand of recovery to be there and be available if somebody needs it and uh, yeah so my journey was uh, you know I was a military I'm a military veteran um, there's I, I suffer from PTSD I'm 100% service connected uh, through the military and uh, for PTSD. Uh, so I had some trauma going through in there. Um, and uh, after my departure, after my discharge from the service, uh, I never realized it. So while I was in the service, I, uh, I got two DUIs on base, on a military base. So they were never part of my civilian record. They never followed me, but uh, it didn't look good. Uh, my drinking really took off after I got back from uh, Desert Shield. Uh, and I never really paid attention to that. Uh, I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of thought that kind of went with the territory, you know, in the military, that kind of is sort of the territory is, you know, you get together with the guys and you, and you drink and, uh, and alcohol always affected me in a different way, you know, chemically, internally, you know, yeah. there's science involved in how your body processes alcohol in each and every one of us. And, uh, the way mine processed it, uh, maybe just wasn't up to par like it was for others. Um, and, uh, and I just, like I said, I never really paid attention to it. Mm. And so uh, moving forward from there, uh, I made a mistake, a big mistake, looking for belonging and unity again. Like I, when I was in the service, you know, I was, like I said, I was, uh, I was in special forces pararescue and then the fire department, which are two units of, of high camaraderie, you know, even above and beyond the camaraderie that you already get in the military. Yeah. I was in two specialized units that really bring camaraderie about. And so when I exited the military, I was uh, seeking that same camaraderie and brotherhood, you know, and I had gotten into power lines at 23 years old. Um, I was an apprentice at the, a couple of years after I was an apprentice or got into the apprenticeship, I joined an outlaw motorcycle club and uh, I won't go into what color it was, but it was, uh, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't uh, a nice one. Um, and that was, uh, you know, I was searching for that kind of camaraderie. Mm -hmm. uh, that I had in the service and then moving uh, forward from there I 
that that introduced a whole new aspect to uh, substance abuse. It used to just be alcohol, and that turned me into uh, methamphetamines. Um, and I was hooked on methamphetamines for about five years in my late twenties. Um, that one was uh, I, I actually kicked that on my own. You know, that recovery didn't require a process. It didn't require a program. It just kind of required not, uh, you know, deleting some phone numbers and getting away from the people that that I uh, that that brought about. And uh, so I exited this outlaw motorcycle club, which, uh, despite popular belief, is possible. Not easy, but possible. And uh, with that, um, I was able to kick that habit on my own. And uh, and so I always thought, you know what, alcohol, I could kick that as well on my own. I mean, I kicked the hardcore street drug. Uh, you know, I, I was able to put a, a stop to that habit. So I always thought with alcohol, I'd be unable, I would be able to do the same thing if I so chose to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward from there, I got into a lot of trouble. I got some uh, DUIs as an apprentice. Uh, it extended my apprenticeship. Uh, you mentioned I was a journeyman lineman for 22 years. I've been in the trade for 22 years and I had a nine year long apprenticeship because of wow. my drinking problems. Uh, you know, and there back goes to the whole, how important is a father in life? Well, I had a good one and uh, a nine year apprenticeship. Maybe some other guys might give up. I don't know. I can't speak for other men, but uh, I didn't give up. I continued to push forward despite all of the, the problems with all of it. Uh, and I continued looking for a way to finish my apprenticeship to become a journeyman lineman. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't easy to get up and keep going uh, when you've been an apprentice for nine years. You know, that's no. uh, we all know, and at least maybe not all the audience knows, but the ones that are linemen that listen to the show, uh, they know what apprentices life as an apprentice is like. And it's not a really, it's not fun. No. Uh, and uh, and I, uh, it took a lot to to continue to push through all that. Uh, but I knew what I wanted and I knew uh, I wasn't going to give up. I don't have that kind of mentality. I'm, you know, a no surrender type guy. I'm the guy that's on the uh, the MMA mat. I, I'm going to go unconscious before I tap just because I, I don't know how to not do that, I guess. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, moving, moving through that portion, uh, my, uh, my drinking as an apprentice and then even as into being a lineman, uh, it just continued to, you know, I had bouts where I was, less alcoholic, I guess you could say, uh, mm -hmm. than other times. Um, and then, you know, slowly your body starts to be able to not deal with the alcohol the way that it used to, you know, uh, as you get older, uh, and you continue drinking your body processes at a, a, a less than optimal rate than it maybe did when you were in your twenties or thirties or whatever. So now fast, fast forward to my forties. Um, I had gotten another DUI, so, uh, you know, these things are starting to pile up on me and, yeah. uh, and because of my record, uh, this DUI, I, it was on November 7th of 2020. And, uh, and I don't even remember it entirely because I was blacked out behind the wheel of my pickup truck. Um, and I smacked into a, uh, uh, a vehicle sideswiped another a truck and, uh, mm -hmm. caused an injury to that gentleman. And then, uh, finished the accident, uh, hitting, running into a palm tree at an, uh, the corner of an in and out burger. Wow. Uh, I don't remember it. Um, I read most of it in the police report. You know, it's very disappointing. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I was, uh, I wouldn't share this when I first start, when all this became about, you know, and all the troubles that I had going through all of these things, yeah. you know, with the motorcycle club and uh, the military issues uh, that I ran into after getting back from uh, my deployments. Um, and then the DUI as an apprentice, uh, I, 
I didn't want to share any of this with anybody. It was private yeah. information to me. Uh, it was embarrassing. It was shameful. Uh, the fact that I was a nine-year apprentice is was shameful, um, you know, and, uh, and I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Uh, but, you know, it took my recovery in order to teach me to not be ashamed of it. Yeah. Um, it's It's been quite the journey. And uh, I've recognized that while I'm going through the middle of something, while I'm in the shit, uh, mm-hmm. it's not fun to talk about it because it's, no. shame, it's shameful. Uh, and then once you're able to, if you're able to, if you're blessed enough to be able to move past whatever issues you're dealing with, uh, substance use, legal, marital, anything. Um, it's not fun to talk about in the middle of it, but once you move through it and you can't go around a problem, I learned about that. You cannot go around the problem. Uh, the problem doesn't get solved, nor do you grow as a human being if you go around a problem. And I was really good at going around problems for most of my life uh, and never actually attacking why or, uh, you know, and, and that led me to a, a drinking career of, uh, in excess of 26 years before I decided to get sober. And, uh, and I learned that walking through my problems would teach me, uh, you know, it was painful. There's a lot of feelings that are involved in walking through issues uh, and under and digging up the old, old stuff that you don't want to talk about that you don't remember that you buried so long ago. You know, I had a lot of PTSD from this motorcycle club, even that I was involved in. Um, you know, that compiled on top of my military PTSD and, uh, and the work in the program that I'm in, um, was, uh, able to help me to uncover a lot of it and bring mm-hmm. it to the surface and, uh, and work on it, you know, and that's, yeah. that's, there was work involved and there was a lot of pain involved and, uh, and I'm a lot better person for it today though, because of mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, so my whole journey in recovery, uh, started because of that DUI in, uh, on November 7th of 2020, after that DUI with an injury, I was facing, uh, because of my record, I was facing four and a half years in prison. Well, I was facing six to 10 mm-hmm. and, uh, I was prepared to take a plea bargain for four and a half years. I was two weeks away from signing a plea, a plea bargain for four and a half years. I'm just married. My wife is pregnant with my first son. Who's now 20 months old. Uh, and I'm facing four and a half years in prison. I have no idea where they're going to live. Uh, these are the fears, right? Fears that I was running, that I had going on in my mind during all of this. It was a tough time. Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, so I'm, I'm faced with uh, where are they going to live? Is my son, he's not going to see me or know his dad. I'm not going to be a show up dad uh, for the first four and a half years of his life. And uh, maybe longer if, uh, you know, uh, you never catch a case, you know, catch a case inside trying to defend or protect yourself possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just all these fears were going through my head and, uh, and I was presented by the grace of God. And I'll give you a quick story on this. I mean, this is a God shot. Like you've never, I mean, it's, I've not heard one better yet. And I'm, I might be biased because it's mine, but, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> so my wife is, uh, working on her LCSW, I think it's called, uh, yeah. Licensed clinical social worker, master's degree. Mm-hmm. She has to work through, um, a, uh, internship so she volunteers to work with a program out of downtown riverside that works closely with the riverside veterans treatment court program Uh, me being a veteran um, she's working as the the founder of this program and uh, she initially had explained to him 
that I was a friend who was in this mess and what could maybe happen, like, what could we do about that? So yeah. he was kind of guiding and advising her. Uh, he knows the judge that sits on the bench personally. They've played golf together, they're friends, so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the relationship is tight. Uh, so I'm so up until the point, I'm just a friend that she's explaining to her, uh, the guy she's interning, interning ship for. He's a sergeant major in the army, yeah. uh, retired. And, uh, and he runs his nonprofit to uh, mentor veterans that are in this, in this mess, right? So she goes to him and uh, finally two weeks out, I'm ready to sign this plea agreement for four and a half years. I'm ready to accept it because if I take it to the box, I'm looking at six to 10. And so, uh, and then when now, when, when that paperwork comes across, now it's time to get real. So she calls him and she says, well, I, you know, that friend that I was telling you about is actually my husband. And uh, I was on the, I was, she had it on uh, speaker and mm -hmm. I could hear it in his voice. Like, Oh my, you know, what can we do? Right. Yeah. He says, I'll talk to, uh, let me, let me talk to some people. And, uh, you know, with my criminal past and my uh, gang affiliation, uh, it was a long shot for me to get into that program, a long shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, the, I won't use any names just in case if whoever's listening here, but, uh, so she, we're laying in bed two nights prior to my, uh, my, the day of court where I'm going to sign this plea agreement. She gets a friend request from the bench judge, the sitting bench judge in the VA treatment court, you know, uh, a friend request on Facebook from, uh, from the bench sitting judge in VA treatment court. I go into treatment court to have my case heard to see if they'll accept it. And my case was accepted by the VA treatment court. So what that did for me as mm -hmm. uh, it during that program, and it's an 18 month long program, but they suspend the four and a half year prison sentence wow. and dismiss it completely upon successful completion of the program. Um, you know, and I had already been going to AA uh, yeah. as a means of trying to uh, uh, just find some sort of uh, recovery prior to, but yeah. in the back of my, it was tough, man. In the back of my mind, I knew, you know, I'm going to have four and a half years to get sober. I'll just wait till I get there. Yeah. Uh, and so I struggled with sobriety initially, uh, for the first year and a half of my attempts, I, I, mm -hmm. I, 60 days, 90 days, and I would relapse, relapse, you know, they were just single one night relapses. Uh, but they started to add up and they started to become painful, you know, as, as a whole, yeah. uh, I didn't cause any more issues or troubles during these relapses. Uh, but I just wasn't seemingly getting this program, you know, and I was told and taught that you got to surrender your higher power, which is God. And that's the one thing I have a hard time doing. Like I said, I don't tap out. So trying to surrender the word surrender yeah. really bound me up. Good. I had a difficult, difficult time uh, surrendering my will to mm -hmm. accept God's will. And uh, when I, when, uh, when I got accepted into that veterans, veterans treatment court, I knew I knew I felt it. My skin crawled the, mm -hmm. the day that that was read out in the courtroom that, all right, we're going to take you into this program. And there was some folks in that room that didn't want me in that program because of uh, my history and my record and my affiliations. Uh, yeah. uh, that was God doing for me what I could not do for myself. 100%. Mm. And, uh, and it was at that point in time, um, I call that a spiritual experience. Yeah. And, uh, and he stepped into my life. And uh, he's been there ever since, you know, mm -hmm. and I lean on him now 
uh, God for everything. All decisions mm. go through him uh, moving forward. All my recovery is because and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Amen. It is, it is a, uh, he is, he is very present in our home. And uh, like I said, man, that was the biggest God shot for me. I got into that program. I actually graduate that program on July 14th. And today's mm -hmm. the 9th. So this coming Friday, I will graduate that program. It'll be 18 months running and I will have successfully completed that program. And I have to give a big speech uh, upon my graduation. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, it's a huge, huge, huge accomplishment, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, the program's not easy and nor should it be, you know, yeah. um, I mean, considering what they're doing for me, uh, I was prepared and willing to jump through any hoops that they asked me to do. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, and this is going to sound crazy. I'm grateful today for that DUI. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm grateful that I was pinned up against the wall so hard by the law that I had no other options than to try to get sober. And then, uh, and then God opened a door for me with this veterans court, you know? Yeah. Uh, and without that door being open, I don't know where I would be, you know, without that program, I don't know where I would be. And so furthering from that program because i just wanted to see what else is out there for me uh how much better can this get so i yeah. run through another community i run through community outreach programs of my own like alcoholics anonymous so i'm an active member in alcoholics anonymous uh, i speak at rehab clinics and institutions i will go into these places and talk about recovery you know it's usually like maybe three or four of us and we'll go in there and shoot like a 10 15 20 minute spiel to the clients or the inmates Mm -hmm. and uh, and explain to them you know uh what it was like uh what happened and what it's like today for us you know uh, yeah. kind of like doing right here and uh and just trying to share that message of hope and uh and experience and recovery and uh yeah that's pretty much how my journey in uh in recovery got started mm -hmm. and uh, like i said i am grateful today uh you can't get into that program unless you're an alcoholic i mean i guess you can go walk in there and say you are but you're probably not going to stick around if you believe in your heart you're not you have to believe it in your heart and because of that program man it's given me a life that i i'm glad i'm not in charge of my life anymore because the script that i would have written looks mm -hmm. nothing like the script that god wrote for me and i'm just so blessed and so grateful that i was uh, able to get out of my own way long enough to allow uh -huh. god to do his handiwork I like that you said that, Eric, get out of it, <laughs> get out of your own way. Right. Right. I, I think we're our biggest hindrances a lot right. of times. Right. hundred percent. You 100%. know, and it, it's crazy because like I had this, um, it was on Instagram and uh, this person reached out to me and we're talking about sobriety and mental health and stuff like that. And I made this post and uh, this other person came on and say, oh, yeah, we listened to your podcast. We think what you're doing is great, but it's too religious for us. Right. Okay. <laughs> and then they put uh, something else about this other program and everything. And it was an AA program. I'm like, oh, where do you think they get their script from? Right. Right. There's a there's a lot of God in the I think I yes. want to I don't know for certain. But, uh, you know, when, when you first start that program, some sponsors in that program will tell you, go go circle the word God in the first 164 pages, which is like the meat and the potatoes of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And mm -hmm. God is mentioned in there over 100 times. You know, mm -hmm. they, it's, not, it's not designed as a, a religious program. So religion and spirituality are two different things, right? Yes. Religious is the practice like a Catholic is a religion. 
but a Catholic is nothing more than a Christian. It's, a, it's of the Christian faith still. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's pretty much, that's the type of uh, spirituality I practice. I practice spirituality and Christian Christianity, uh, mm -hmm. not necessarily so much uh, the religion and uh, the sacrimony of the religions. Um, and that's what uh, AA is. It's a spiritual based program. It really is because uh, we've tried to quit drinking on our own and we couldn't. I failed yeah. many times. Uh, and I couldn't keep trying because it was continuing to bind me up. You know, I continued to run into problems with the law. My marriage mm -hmm. was on the rocks. Uh, and uh, who knows what kind of father I would be if I still was that guy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know? And uh, and it's that spirituality uh, in that program that brought me to God. Mm -hmm. You know, it's given me the ability to, uh, to, to turn into the guy I am today. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't even think it was possible. I really, yeah. really did not think that a guy like me would ever succumb to, and that's how I looked at it. Like I'm just giving up, you know, that mm -hmm. initially, yeah, uh, cause I didn't know any better. I didn't know what kind of life it was going to give me. So I was looking at like, okay, life's going to suck. It's going to be boring. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do you go to a Dodger game and not have a beer? I didn't, I just, I didn't know. I'd, I'd never known that before. I'd been drinking since I was a teenager and I, I'd always drank. So uh, for me to stop drinking, I just, I didn't see it being possible and not, and at least not having a zest for life. I couldn't have been more wrong. And that's why I say, you know, uh, it sounds funny, but I am a grateful, I'm grateful to be an alcoholic because it's shown me a way of life that I would have never otherwise known. Let's mm -hmm. say I'm not a problem drinker. I would have never gotten to this. I probably maybe never would have uh, gotten in touch with my higher power. God, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Right. So that yeah. program brought me to him. I may just have be a couple of beer a night kind of guy and be miserable still because I don't have a relationship with my God. Yeah. And so uh, when I say I'm grateful, uh, I'm not grateful for the damage I caused. I'm not grateful for the pain I caused. I am grateful that my alcoholism essentially mm -hmm. is what brought me to my level of spirituality that I have today. And because of that, I'm now able to make amends for the things I've done wrong, uh -huh. uh, try and give back, you know, like this podcast is a form for me is a form of being able to give back, which I'm absolutely honored to do. I'm honored to be asked to be able to do that today. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a union steward for my, for the union hall now, uh, something I would have never been interested in before, but I took a lot away from the contractors in the union that I worked for uh, over the years, you know, uh, contractors don't know what kind of guy they're going to get when I show up hungover or still intoxicated from the night before, you know, and I know there's a lot of that stuff going on in our trade today. And are mm -hmm. you given hundred percent every day that you show up for work? Are you a hundred percent ready for duty? I know I wasn't. Uh, and so that's, you know, me stepping up and getting more involved in the union and, uh, you know, and in stuff like this or the apprenticeship is my way of being able to try and make an amends for what I feel like I took. You know, and I, I didn't take a, a monetary figure. I didn't take, uh, you know, in that sense, but I did, I, I did steal in the sense that I wasn't at my absolute best when I showed up for work and mm. that for many, many years. Uh, and I'm, and I'm not that guy today. I'm worth having around today. Uh, and I'm proud to be able to say that, uh, I'm a, a completely different hand, uh, yeah. so than I was when I was, uh, when I was out there drinking and using and just think about even at the perspective of your family, right? Think about the level of secure your wife now feels right. knowing that she doesn't have to worry about 
bad Eric, right? right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Or, or, you know what I mean? It is monumental. We discuss that often. You know, the, um, the first year and a half of our uh, marriage, she was worried constantly, mm -hmm. sleepless nights, uh, checking me on our Life360 phone app tracker to see, you know, if anything had happened or uh, she doesn't have to do that anymore. You know, um, my sons are never going to see me drink. Uh, my parents don't have to worry about me anymore. Mm -hmm. My employer knows the employee that they're going to get every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm consistent in everything that I do. Uh, I, uh, my neighbors don't have to avoid me when I go outside and I'm, you know, a little mouthy and pissed off. Uh, you know, other yeah. drivers on the road, society as a whole is safer with this guy not drinking and using. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, it's just, it's a it's been a magical, magical journey. The, the, the amount of worry that me not drinking is help, mm -hmm. you know, creating for the people that in my life, I love and love me is uh is is beyond words the words can't even really describe it i wouldn't imagine you know from their point of view like mm -hmm. you said uh it's just it's huge it's yeah. good to see that your sobriety has impacted your overall personal growth and development beyond just overcoming huge. addiction you know huge man like i i didn't i didn't get into recovery so i could grow as a human being i mm -hmm. got into recovery just so i could quit drinking and I got so, so much more than just stopping the, my, my alcoholism. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's why you start that journey. Uh, and then along the way, though, uh, my some of my root, like deepest, rudest, belief, deeply rooted beliefs have been turned upside down. You mm -hmm. know, um, I used to think violence is the easiest and only way. You know, I don't believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. I still do believe that it is a way and it does solve problems, you know, hence the reason for war. It unfortunately might be the most effective way, but it is also the worst way. You mm -hmm. know, there are other ways that you should approach things first. And I know that and see that now, you know, that's just the military mindset coming out in me that I, you know, I mean, I was a young, impressionable kid. I signed up for the military at 17 years old yep. uh, and uh, super impressionable. And I was a soldier and that was my job. And, uh, you know, and when those that's when your belief system starts to develop as a young man. Yep. And it was at a pinnacle time. And, uh, and I, and I created uh, a lot of deep rooted beliefs that I mm -hmm. thought were just who I was going to be forever. And the fact of uh, me not drinking anymore or coming in, or joining a program of recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, I, like I said, I only came to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and this veterans treatment court to quit drinking. Uh, and I got so much more than that. And not just me, everybody around me got so much more than that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I've had guys that I work with that. Uh, I mean, they've told me flat out that this, whatever you're doing, man, keep doing it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's great. Like this new part, like, you know, guys that had seen me one way and now this way. Um, it's uh, it's huge. Uh, the impact that this program has had on my overall personal growth as a man. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, it's this program that I'm in that is, uh, it's making me, it's building me to be a show up dad, because if yeah. I was still drinking, I would not be a show up dad. I just wouldn't be, I know I wouldn't be, um, you know, I, I'll tell you at the end of my drinking in the last year of it. So, I mean, obviously there's legal problems that come with it, but this mm -hmm. is on the date here on the day to day drinking issue for me. Uh, if you were to call me at 7 PM, 
and I already knew what kind of state of mind I was approaching, I wouldn't accept the phone call, but I would text you back and tell you, uh, I can't take your call. I'm in the middle of something right now, but I can text. And I did that strategically. So I would have a record of what we talked about because I knew no way in hell was I going to remember what we talked about if I talked to you again the next day or the following day. Wow. So I would make sure that I kept the text message record so that way I could refer back to it. That's how bad I had gotten at the end. And so for me to believe that I was going to be able to pull this off and actually get sober, uh, mm -hmm. it was it was uh, it was a long shot in my mind. And like I said, mm -hmm. the, you know, getting into a program of action and spirituality, getting yeah. a building a relationship with God has uh, has absolutely done for me what I can't what I would not have been able to do and could not do on my own. Mm. How did the support system keep you stay uh, keep you committed to, for your uh, sobriety during those uh, uh, so, difficult times? Yeah, I, um, you know, AA, there's a whole bunch of different types of people in AA. It brings people together from all walks of life, right? Yeah. And while I don't associate, I do it when I go to meetings and stuff like that. And when I become, when I get in the middle of my recovery and participate in it, uh, mm -hmm. there's nobody that I won't associate with or talk with. But then there's a few guys that you run into and you'll do this in line work even, right? You'll find some guys, everybody, we're all linemen, but a yeah. few of us have a deeper connection maybe than just linemen. And those are the guys that you invite to your house to have barbecues with and maybe even go on family vacations with and, and you become a part of each other's personal lives as well, right? That's how it works in line work. Yeah. That same kind of concept works in Alcoholics Anonymous as well. Uh, you, you find some guys that you uh, build um, organic style friendships with and they just, uh, they grow, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and some of my best friends today are from, from the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, that, and I didn't mention this. My wife is also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. She has 17 years of sobriety. I'm approaching wow. two. She has 17 and I'm approaching two. Uh, so like I said, we have a, uh, alcohol free home, uh, drug free home. Um, and then it really is a bonding thing for my wife and I, because we go to meetings together, you know, they have co-ed meetings, they have men's, they have women's, but we, we go to a lot of co-ed meetings together and that's time for us to spend together as well. You know, mm -hmm. we're doing this thing together, which even makes it that much better and that much more powerful, you know, to have that kind of support system. And then there's lots of couples in this program. So we do a lots of couples stuff, ball games, camping trips, uh, just dinners out, you know, uh, we got, I couldn't tell you how many babysitters we have if we need it, right? We, the, mm -hmm. our, My world just got so massive, you know, from the tiny nucleus of people that I kept around me uh, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the massive uh, nucleus that I have of people around me uh, today. Uh, it's, it's, we're never short on having something to do or people to do it with. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, so the support system is a huge, huge part. Uh, and it's, a part of being vulnerable and, you know, sticking your hand out and introducing yourself to people. It's, it, maybe it's uncomfortable, maybe it's, you know, but in the beginning, and it is it, in the beginning, man, it's, uh, it's different. You know, you're unsure. You don't really know, you know, you maybe yeah. lack trust of people, uh, you know, it's different for everybody. Uh, but being out, getting out there getting vulnerable, being outgoing, maybe stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's where you really grow. You know, is if you continue to do just what's comfortable, you're probably not going to grow all that much. And, uh, and so getting involved in doing that has uh, been a great, great benefit to fostering a huge support system. Mm. No, definitely. A uh, support system is one of the, the greatest things that a man could have. Um, we're taught so much that you don't cry, you don't share your feelings, yeah. none of this stuff, right? But when you get like-minded individuals around you, right, 
yeah well, it's okay one, one, yeah it's okay you know what i mean obviously you don't want to go hang out with someone who's a goody two-shoe or whatever you know what i'm saying right yeah right. because right? they can't relate right you know right but but when you surround yourself with someone who can relate who knows the problems who knows how it is to 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 go to jail or or be worrying about the different things that you know are entailed with uh you know drinking alcohol or drug abuse or whatever you know what i mean they're able to show empathy towards you because they could put themselves in your your absolutely shoe. they've yeah. been there yeah there's no yeah. judgment no judgment and you don't you we, uh that's one of the big things in this program you know there is no room for judgment that's not our job to begin with mm -hmm. uh, but especially in this program because who are you to say you know you were you know, i haven't you know, you got your own story and i'm sure there's some silly stuff going on in it as well right mm -hmm. uh, you know that's what one alcoholic might say to another so yeah there is absolutely zero judgment in this program uh and it's just a huge sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm even involved. There's, uh, you know, there's others in, in our trade that are a part of this program without throwing mm -hmm. any anonymity out there. Uh, but it's a, it's a huge blessing to have other men in our trade. So now we've not got the AA or the, the, the recovery aspect in, in common, but we also can talk about, uh, you know, we're sharing our experience, strength and hope with other dudes that are out there smashing dead ends and climbing poles, you know, and, and stringing wire. Um, yeah. and, and to be able to, that's just a whole nother level. That's just a whole nother, you know, I've guys that I didn't know in this trade that I do now because they're in this program of recovery also. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so, uh, yeah, my phone is never short of a, of a text message or a phone call and it, and, and it's exhausting, honestly, sometimes, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's busy. Life is super busy when your, mm -hmm. when your nucleus gets big, uh, and just recently, there's been a bunch of tragedy going on in my world. Uh, mm -hmm. My grandmother passed away. Uh, my dad's living girlfriend of 15 years passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a member uh, in uh, in our union. His wife isn't doing so well. Uh, and she is on her last leg. Um, and uh, my heart absolutely grieves for him. Uh, and uh, so a lot of tragedy, right? Yeah. And I didn't have any tragedy in my life before because I only had four people in it, maybe. Mm -hmm. So with this big nucleus does come more tragedy because you care more about more people. And, yeah. uh, and that's something that's new for me. I'm learning because this is like this first little, it's a, it's a chunk of tragic things happening. And the beauty of it is I don't feel like taking a drink over any of it. You know, mm. I, I often say I used to drink because of how I felt. Yeah. And today I don't drink because of how I feel. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, the, the, I can't emulate this feeling in anything else. There, not even alcohol was able to create the sort of sense of inner peace and mm -hmm. comfort. Even, you know, uh, it's often said it's not, it was never my problem. It was always my solution to my problems. I drank to bury my problems. So it was yeah. not a problem. It was the solution to the problems. And then it eventually became a problem in itself. Uh, and today uh, I have a, a much better grasp on how to handle those problems. Uh, mm -hmm. and thinking back, alcohol never solved any of the problems, right? It just masked them. Uh, yeah. today I can solve problems and I can solve them with grace and dignity without taking a drink. And, uh, and I feel good doing it. I feel okay. Uh, dealing with tragedy, dealing with loss or death. Uh, mm -hmm. my son, when he was born, uh, he was in the ICU for five days. Uh, my wife and I were on our knees in the hospital praying together with tears pouring down our face because we just didn't know if he was going to make it. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like taking a drink because of that. Wow. You know, and I'm new, mm -hmm. newly sober. You know, that's how fast it can happen.
you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm newly sober. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a, such a tremendous gift to be able mm -hmm. to, uh, I, I have that sort of confidence now to walk through anything in life. You yeah. Know? I never know when God's going to test me next or again. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also know that I can put my trust and faith in him and that he's going to guide me through whatever he does throw at me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I can walk through whatever situation, problem or, or glory with grace and dignity with, and with being, as well as being humble, you know, when things mm -hmm. go my way. Man, I just want to say, Eric, that's the true mark of healing right there that only God could do. Right. I mean, because right. we all know that drinking is just a mask for pain or trauma or whatever. And it doesn't even have to be drinking, it could be drugs, it could be pornography, it could be whatever it is, sure. whatever trigger there is, right? Right. But the true mark of healing is when God comes into your life, when you accept him and you allow him to do the work and you allow him to walk with you through Correct. the pain. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's phenomenal, man. I the things I used to worry about, I don't anymore. I give mm -hmm. it to God. Uh, you know, for any financial strain, uh, I know He's going to take care of me. I think Luke twelve two point four says, "If He feeds even the ravens of the air, would He not even feed His own children? Mm. More valuable are you than the ravens." You know, so I don't worry about finances anymore like I used to. Mm -hmm. uh, stress was a big thing for me. Stress and trauma, fear. I guess uh, you know, stress is a form of fear. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, or the unknown is a form of fear. So I, most of my drinking was fear based, I think, um, you know, still learning about myself as I walk through this thing. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I'm not afraid anymore. And I think that's really a lot of my trigger came from fear. You know, if you really break it down and now I'm not afraid, I don't have, I have God on my side now. And I do mm. give as much as I possibly am capable of giving him with the level of spirituality that I currently have. Uh, I hand it to him and I'm not afraid now. I don't need to be afraid. Therefore, I don't feel like the necessity to drink. There's a necessity for me to drink, you know, to, mm -hmm. to deal with the fear, the stress, the unknown, um, the anxiety, um, the PTSD from way back. I don't have any, um, you know, the fear of losing my son. I mean, how much bigger of a fear can I have experienced? And, uh, and I didn't feel the need because if that was God's will, I don't under, I don't want to understand his will. If I could, then he's really not much more than a human himself. Yes. And God is not a human. He is godly. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I don't want to be able to understand his will per se, uh, but I just need to trust it. And I do today. Uh, mm -hmm. and, it, and it didn't come overnight. It takes time. Uh, it's, a, it's a practice, uh, something that needs to be nurtured. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I hit my knees in the morning every day, hit them at night every and the, at the end of every day and thank him. I ask mm -hmm. him for things in the morning. I thank him for those things in the evening. Mm -hmm. Amen. I agree with that, brother. Yeah. Um, so now we're talking about this, Eric. Yeah. How important is forgiveness, both for yourself and for others, you know, in, in the context of your journey to sobriety and also for parenting? Because I know a lot of men carry this certain guilt about what they did in the past. You know what I mean? That leads to anger, right? When you're thinking about the past, that leads to anger. Right. So how important is forgiveness? Yeah. Forgiveness is huge. Uh, I mean, uh -huh. it's, I, uh, I have forgiven myself. I think, uh, -huh. uh, I think it's constant. I think it's something that changes sometimes from day to day or week to week or month to month, you mm -hmm. know, cause, uh, maybe you, 
have forgiven yourself for something and then it kind of creeps back in maybe, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for some of the mistakes, because I still do think about where would my life be if I didn't make all those mistakes. That's mm -hmm. a form of me not forgiving myself by even allowing myself to think that. Yeah. Uh, and th that thought doesn't persist every single day of mind you like it may be used to. So, um, you know, those thoughts like that are getting further and far between um, forgiveness in others uh, is, is also huge. You know, that's as Christ-like as you can be, and maybe super difficult though, on some things, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to forgive others. Uh, I've not been super tested. I mean, yeah, there's some small things along the way, uh, mm -hmm. some forgiveness that I've had to cope with and, and, uh, heal and mend with. Um, uh, if I don't know to paint a picture, if, uh, you know, uh, my wife's driving both my boys, and uh, they're going to an amusement park and a drunk driver hits them and takes out the whole fit, my whole family and leaves me by myself. Would I have the ability to forgive that guy? That would be difficult. I think uh, maybe yeah. someday in my lifetime, my level of spirituality will allow me to, I don't know right now. I, you know, I I'd rather not yet find out obviously, but yeah. uh, I think there's, you know, there's certain gradients of forgiveness depending on what you're asking to be forgiven for or to forgive for. Um, and, uh, some of those large, large ones, I don't know if I'm capable, would be capable yet. Uh, I yeah. do believe it is the right thing to do. Yes. I, I want to be more capable of it. Uh, I think it is extremely important for your own healing, you know, mm -hmm. to not run around angry. Like you were mentioning, you run around angry, uh, and, uh, yeah, that just brings yourself down. You know, you're allowing somebody else to take your peace and serenity from you. Mm. And for those of you guys who are listening, once again, I just want to hit on the point where Eric said, forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. When you forgive, you are freeing yourself of the bondage that you have put yourself in. It's like drinking poison and wanting the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness is. Right. So forgiveness is for you. And I know, I know for some guests that we had on here, you know, they didn't get a chance to ask for forgiveness or to forgive their fathers, right? Because father wounds are deep. So what I suggested to them was write a letter, man. Yeah. Write a letter of what you would say to that person. Right. Put it on yeah. paper. Get it out of your yes. mind. Yes. Yeah. That's a huge, huge, that's a huge thing to do. Uh, it's, it's an excellent coping skill. Uh, yep. Write your thoughts down, especially if the person that you'd like to say it to is gone. The only way you can somewhat still maybe communicate and get it off of your chest or out of your head uh, and off of your heart is to write a letter. You know, that's mm. a really good mechanism. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, write that letter, put it in a God box, even mm -hmm. write a letter, put it in a box labeled God and then close it up. You know, you said it, you've forgiven, you moved on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I wanted to ask you, Eric, what would you say to individuals who may be hesitant or even skeptical about uh, seeking help for their addiction, especially if they're worried about the impact of their family or parental responsibilities? Uh, I guess, I think, I truly believe only those that are desperate enough are going to seek it. Mm. And if you are desperate enough, you're going to have to be in a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, that pain is going to cause desperation. We call that the gift of desperation because it truly is a gift. That's how I got here. Like I said, I'm a grateful alcoholic. I'm grateful that I got a DUI that landed me in a position that I could not get myself out of that forced my hand to this program. And I couldn't be more grateful for it. That was the gift of desperation. Mm -hmm. That gift, it is truly a gift. 
but it, it doesn't come easy. It causes, you know, it comes with pain. That's what puts you there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're hurting on the inside, uh, if you're struggling, if your marriage is struggling and it's due to substance use or alcoholism, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's lots of programs out there. Uh, there's numbers, uh, obviously, with the advent of Google and all that, you can find uh, community self-help meetings, yeah. um, talk to somebody, reach out, get a hold of people, um, talk to somebody about it. If you're hurting that much inside, uh, you know, uh, if you ever see me in a yard working, come up, shake my hand, I'll help you, I'll guide you. I, mm-hmm. I have love nothing more than to help somebody who's struggling the way I struggled, you know, because, uh, you know, the whole program I'm in is free. You know, they call it the cheapest therapy on the planet. It's a dollar mm-hmm. a week. You know, you ain't going to buy better therapy and you get it from so many different angles. You, you know, maybe not from a medical professional, but you're getting real life strength, real life messages, real life experience from people who've walked the same walk that you might be walking through. And if you're walking through something difficult, I guarantee you there's a man or woman out there who has gone through what you're going through and can help guide you through what you're going through. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta be vulnerable enough to ask and maybe even in enough pain and desperate enough to ask, you know, that's the unfortunate part about it is, uh, you, it, it, you, you gotta be desperate to do it. in in most cases, mm-hmm. Eric, lastly, I wanted to ask you what goals or aspirations do you have for yourself now as a parent that is sober and how do you plan on achieving them going forward? Uh, just to uh, continue to be a show up dad, man. I love your title of your show. I think mm-hmm. it's so fitting um, that more than just a paycheck caption is uh, perfect. Um, you know, we, I grew up and my dad was, he was more than a paycheck, but I know his father was a paycheck and the fathers, you know, as generations we move forward, I, I want to try to emulate what my dad did for me. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be a goal for me. He was a great father. Um, obviously provide more for my children. I didn't go without, but we didn't have anything lavish or, you know, and, uh, not a lot of vacations or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to, uh, continue, um, helping others and showing, uh, showing my sons, um, ways, you know, uh, allowing them to fail and showing them ways to pick themselves back up. I'm not that, I don't want to be that kind of dad who runs in there and, uh, and rescues them every single time they're about to make a mistake. I want them to fall and skin their knee and then I'll show them how to do it moving forward, you know, uh, show them the right way or show them a different way or a better way, whatever, however you want to put it. Um, and, uh, being there for my wife, uh, Mm. you know, uh, so supportive in my journey. She was, um, I couldn't have done it without her. You know, I believe God brought her into my life for this very reason. You know, it's funny when you think there are no coincidences in this world, in my mind. And, yeah. uh, and God brought her into my life knowing that this stuff was coming. That's his, that was his plan for me. I'm supposed yeah. to be right where I am at today. You know, uh, none of this is by accident. Uh, and, uh, and so I just, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to be able to teach my boys, um, a Christian way of life. My wife and I talk about that frequently, you know, maybe yeah. putting them into uh, private Christian schools uh, just so we can bring them up in the manner in which we see fit, you know, rather than the public school system, which we're a little unsure of at this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, and uh, yeah, just be the best role model and mentor for my boys that I possibly can be. 
And uh, being, being sober allows me to be present. Uh, and I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, not just physically present. You know, I was always physically present. I showed up, I paid the bills, I took care of things, whatever. But I was never present, you know, now. And I think there's a whole nother realm of present even that I'm untapped into yet. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm present most of the time. Um, you know, I don't forget things. I'm there for every little moment uh, and I'm paying attention so I can put that in the bank for later. And, uh, and I was incapable of doing that before, you know, um, yeah. and now so fully present, but I believe that there's even another level of fully present that I'm eager to see if it's mm -hmm. still, you know, if there's more, uh, that's one thing I definitely want to never stop doing is working on growth for myself. And, uh, and, you know, and, uh, just, uh, being the best possible version that I can be, and then let that transpire into the kind of father that I'm going to be, or that I am, you know, currently, uh, and uh, yeah, just be fully engaged with my boys and, uh, and family, um, you know, um, yeah, life is uh, a lot. Life is uh, a gift, right? And yes. uh, what a gift it has been for me um, to, uh, to go through this journey and, uh, and for God to allow me to, uh, to have two boys. I'm 40, I'll be 45 years old next month. Uh, <laughs> I got, and I got, <laughs> I got a six week old and, uh, and a 20 month old, you know, uh, first time married too. Wow. Praise so God. Saying, a lot of this stuff happened to me and I believe it happened for a reason. Yeah. I believe it was God's will. Cause, uh, cause I was the kind of guy who was never probably getting married and I certainly wasn't having kids. And I'd written off the idea of having kids because of my age and the age of a woman that I might would date, she's probably not going to want to have kids. And then, mm. uh, and then God put my wife in my life and, uh, and then he blessed us with two little boys that, uh, you know, we're, I'm 45, she's 43 and, uh, and we're tired, but we're figuring it out, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a gift. It's, uh, it's a journey. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's so many wonderful things that I'm not even certain of what is out there yet for us. And, yeah. uh, I'm just excited about what the future holds and I can only, uh, uh, equate that to being sober, you know, without the sobriety. Yeah. You know, I, I have a sobriety date of 225, uh, 2022, and I hold on to that date with uh, everything. That date is actually, and this might come off uh, to some listeners as wrong, but that date's more important than the birthday to my boys. That's more important than uh, the my marriage anniversary. That date is the most important date in my life because without that date, if I lose that date, all the other stuff might go with it. The marriage, the kids, the relationships, the job, everything hinges on that sobriety date. And so I hold on to that sobriety date as the most important date in my life. And it's Amen. a big deal to me. Uh, it wasn't always. It took a while to get to where I'm at mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, you know, help, a great support system, my higher power, God. And uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, persistence, uh, you know, that whole non-surrender mentality that I spoke about earlier. Uh, yeah. I kind of just flipped the script on it. You know, I don't surrender. I don't lay down for nothing, man. I, I, like I said, I had a nine year apprenticeship and fought my way through that damn thing and, uh, and came out at finally. Right. Uh, and that lack of ability to surrender. Uh, I use that same mindset with my sobriety now, like I won't surrender to this disease of alcoholism and I just apply it in reverse. You know, I, mm -hmm. I that sobriety date and I'm not going to let this thing take me out or, or anything else for that matter.
All right on, Eric. Thank you so much, brother, for being so open and transparent with our audience. I know this podcast is going to reach and touch the hearts of everybody listening. I thank you for having the courage to come on here and just share everything you've been through, bro. Um, Absolutely. This is man. definitely a message of hope, brother. I Absolutely. thank you for that. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time and appreciate you putting this show on. Uh, it's been an honor and uh, to allow me a platform to be able to share my experience, strength, and hope with, uh, with your listeners. And, uh, and I hope, you know, I hope that somebody out there does hear something that maybe will help them, uh, you know, whether I know it or not, or whether it can be quantified is, uh, neither here nor that. I, I, I put the action in and leave the results up to God. So, uh, I just hope, uh, that somebody out there heard something that they needed to hear and that, uh, they can be, uh, blessed with recovery if that's what they need in their life. Right on. And I'll go ahead and put your information, how they can reach out to you on the show notes there, Eric. And, uh, you know, for you guys listening, it'll be on the show notes. Once again, this is Eric Demarath, journeyman lineman, local 47. He is a show up dad and he is coming on here and he's just talking to us about being an overcomer. So once again, thank you, Eric. You got it. Thank you very much, Dave.